Welcome to Intro to Wakandan Studies, or as I like to call it, The Road to Wakanda. This is a carefree black nerd classroom in which The Road to Wakanda is intended to introduce students to the content and contours of Wakandan Studies, including its genealogy, development, and future challenges. I'm your professor, Rain Coleman, and in this session, we will be covering Nakia. Now, for those of you studying abroad and at home, be sure to use the hashtag RTWPod when listening to this session, as live tweeting will be 50% of your grade. <laughs> now, before turning to Chapter 6 in your Intro to Wakandan Studies text for the information on Nakia, I'd like to remind you all that towards the end of this week, we will be taking a class field trip <laughs> or an individual trip to see the Black Panther in theaters February 16th. Uh, you are all expected to watch the film, take notes, uh, take note of how it makes you feel, the technology, the accents, the conversation, Wakanda as, is it, as, excuse me, as it is depicted in cinematic form and rush back eager and ready to discuss on uh, our next couple of segments or so. So keep that in mind. Everyone go on and watch the Black Panther film and come back ready to discuss. Now, after turning to check chapter six in your intro to Wakandan studies text, we're going to go over Nakia. I felt more connected to Nakia's warrior spirit. Um, she is a woman that has traveled the world, and so her fighting style is informed by her experiences in the world. Um, Ryan described her style as street, you know, where the Dora Milaje have a way more um, uh, graceful uh, style of fighting, way more, um, again, traditional style of fight fighting. Nakia is like by any means necessary, <laughs> you know. And uh, so there was a little bit of judo and jujitsu and Filipino martial arts, uh, capoeira, um, muay thai, all thrown in there. Now, Nakia, Nakia, Nakia. When was I first made aware of Nakia? I actually wasn't. I want to say that I've seen her image before, but I had no idea who Nakia was. Now... Nakia will be a big part of the Black Panther film. Nakia will be played by Lupita Nyong'o. Uh, and I'll have to say that the trailers for the film are where I first was introduced to Nakia. Because again, I've seen images of her and I feel as if I'm aware of her in some regard. But I will not fake the funk and act as if I know or knew prior to this session and the Black Panther film that I knew who Nakia was. I'm just not going to do that. But for those of you out there, they're in class or you studying abroad. When did you first become aware of Nakia? Was it the Black Panther trailer as with me? Or do you have that history with her from the comics? If so, let me know in the message board, a.k.a. the SoundCloud comments, or tweet me Carefree Blurred and let me know where did Nakia become real for you? What was your meet cute with her? Now, um, going forward into her file, Nakia first appeared in Black Panther Volume 3, number one. This was back in November of 1998. She's created by Christopher Priest in Mark's Texaria. Now, her occupation, of course, is uh, subversive. She's a former royal con... con 
<laughs> you guys know how I am with these words. Uh, she was royal, and I'm not even going to butcher this word. Now, her affiliations are agent of Killmonger and formerly of the Dora Milaje. Base of operations, uh, mobile. She isn't in one spot for too long, but primarily within Wakanda. Now, in the Black Panther film, again, Nakia will be played by Lupita Nyong'o. Now, keeping that in mind, I'm not sure because at the time of this session, I have yet to see the film myself. Not sure if Lupita's character of Nakia on film will be the same as she is depicted throughout the comics. Um, only time will tell. And for those of you out there in class who have seen it already, you know, chime in, but chime in, of course, after the 16th when everyone else has had a chance to get the film under their belt and come back with more notes. Now, her real name is Nakia. Her current alias, although it is Malice, M-A-L-I-C-E. Her identity is citizenship of Wakanda. Marital status, she is single. She is a female of six feet tall and 160 pounds. Now, her height and weight is very important because on average height, women... You don't traditionally see at six feet tall and Lupita Nyong'o is definitely not that tall. But so we already see some differences in character, but I'm I'm interested to see if Lupita will be the Nakia from the comics or if maybe that'll be her uh, evolution as the character in the film. Either way, again, back to Nakia from the comics, brown eyes, black hair and her origin. She is a magically enhanced human. Not a mutant, not a metahuman, not a, you know, electrocuted superhero that now can fly and shit. She's just a magically enhanced human. She hails from Earth 616, which is the prime Earth in the Marvel Universe. Place of birth, Kenyoma Valley, Wakanda. Now, moving on to her powers and abilities. Now, Nakia, due to a magical ritual, possesses increased level of strength, speed, and accuracy. Uh, she is adept at hand-to-hand -hand combat. She has a uh, superhuman strength level. And with weapons, she is a badass. She has blades, uh, projectile spike launchers. Then she has in consumed the toxic herb called Jufiero. 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 I believe I'm saying that correctly. J-U-F-E-I-R-O. Which makes men become obsessive and fall mindlessly in love with her. Which uh, is a very interesting side effect or intention of this herb. We'll get more into that later. Now, um, going on with her early life. Nakia was... I don't know. She Okay, so Nakia is descended of a gentle fisherman of Kenyoma Valley in the African nation of Wakanda. From an early age, she was groomed, as many girls are, to be one of the adorned ones. Adormals, of course, are an order of women known as the Dormalaje, who we discussed in our first session, two sessions ago. And serving as wives, uh, concubines, so to speak, wives in training for the king of Wakanda. Now, the order of Dormalaje was established to promote harmony between Wakanda's many rival tribal factions. They also performed the role of the king's deadliest bodyguards and most faithful and trusted servants. Which has to be some sort of cognitive dissonance there. Not to say that you can't exist in both of these spaces. But for the last two to be trusted servant and bodyguard. Deadliest bodyguard at that. But then this to originate from being the wives in training. Which originates from trying to offer up the most 
badass, both good and bad women of 18 rival factions. It's just like, that's a lot of stuff to contend with. That's a lot of baggage to carry on your back. And it, that being said, that goes into why I like Nakia so much. Even though she's the villain, again, this is the villain who, or I don't want to call her villain. This is a character who has been through a lot just in her mere existence in the space in the titles that she carries so taking a couple steps back she is one of the most trusted servants deadliest bodyguards wife in training who was offered up as a traditional ritual of um serving up or giving away 18 daughters in the 18 tribal fashion that's a lot to continue with and then add on top of that the age this is a young girl this isn't a grown woman well into her own this is a young girl and it's just i, I can just imagine how much how heavy that crown is now by age 14 nakia was accompanied excuse me was accepted excuse me into the order and spent the rest of her life growing up in the royal palace of Wakanda, enjoying the childhood most native tribalists could only dream of. Now, during this time, she became increasingly obsessed with her king, the hero known as the Black Panther, which, again, adding to all of the shit that she already has on top of her, she's only 14. And then you're propelled into this life of opulence and extravagance. And again, she's 14. Let's not forget this is a preteen teenage young girl hormones all over the place she finds the black panther as the object of her affection which in the right of tradition very much should be because she is the wife in training traditionally to speak and it's just like i feel as if her story is an interesting take on the dormilaje and what is a side effect of that particular institution and this is why i stressed in the first session about having a story centered around the Dormilaje, the politics, the the procedures, the um, traditions, and what comes of that. We already have Anika and Io who are just fighting tooth and nail to get out and to do something good and to go up against the, uh, the status quo. And then you have, I just feel as if by the end of this lesson, hopefully, Nakia won't be painted as a villain. She'll be painted as a very complex character. Considering all the baggage that she has on her at just the age of 14. Now, fantasizing openly, openly, excuse me, about marrying the Black Panther. Uh, at one point, Nakia even threw herself 50 feet into a shallow pool to get her king's attention. Which again, it's like if this, she's exhibiting stuff. Call her crazy or call her whatever you will, but she's still exhibiting signs that a cry for help. Like these things should have been addressed and handled accordingly. But like an open wound left to fester, <laughs> this is the result we get. Now the Panthers administered mouth to mouth resuscitation to revive her. So to the young teen's delight, she now was even more so in love with him. So I've gone out of my way to make sure that you notice me by damn near killing myself. And now you notice me. And not only did you notice me, but 
the way in which you have to save me, you have to physically touch me. You have to kiss me in a sense. You have to perform mouth to mouth. Now I'm saved by this king who I'm obsessed with through one of the most intimate actions that there you know could be between two people. And, oh God, that had to just set her off. Now, um, for those of you who don't know, the Royal Palace of Wakanda is home to uh, the nation of Wakanda's royal family. It is uh, located in the capital of central Wakanda. Uh, I believe that's in the Golden City. And for those of you in class, if you look right there out that window, you can see the Royal Palace there offered to your left. All you visitors to Wakanda, I know you guys are new here, but all of us Wakandans, we, we see it. Isn't that right, guys? Right, right, right. Okay. Now, infatuation with the Black Panther. Although the order um, entitles the king to complete his rites, the Black Panther has always viewed the order as largely ceremonial. And when we're speaking about the order, we're talking about uh, the Dormilaje and the wives in training and all that good stuff. Now, he has largely viewed it as uh, ceremonial, and he's made no demands of the, the ladies outside of being the deadliest assassins there are. Or bodyguards, rather. Now, he, Black Panther, inadvertently broke this arrangement when he kissed Nakia while under the influence of Mephisto. Now, Mephisto. He is an extra-dimensional demon whose origin is unknown. He rules a fiery pocket dimension that he calls Hell or Hades. Although it is neither Hell of the Christian religion nor the Hades ruled by Pluto, the Olympian god of the dead, Mephisto calls his extra-dimensional realm hell in order to exploit humans, excuse me, earth human beings' belief in a single being of absolute evil who is often referred to as Satan, who rules this realm. Now, this is interesting because this is the same world in which we have magic, uh, Ileana Rasputin, and she rules over her own dimension of hell. And then we have hell, H-E-L. Like, there's so many different not even multiversal, just uh, different incarnations, representations, manifestations of hell. And I like Mephisto. I like this idea that he recognizes the uh, attachment that the humans of Earth have to religion, be it Muslim, uh, Christian, Buddhist, whatever, like this obsession that you have with the idea of hell. And he has used the myth or the stories of Christianity and the beliefs that the humans of Earth have and has just kind of attached itself to that belief, thus making it real. Well, in turn, making it real, if that makes any sense. So it's kind of the chicken before the egg type of thing where you have the stories there that they believe in. And in this world where there exists more than one God, gods are literally walking among us, a.k.a. Thor. Um, but he has latched on to something. I think that's one of the smarter things that villains have done. Uh, so kudos to Mephisto for being uh, clever enough for that. But boo to him for fucking with uh, Arkane. Now, Mephisto resembles the traditional visual conception of the devil. Uh, this is not known, though, whether Mephisto, if, his, if it is his true appearance or one that he has adopted along with the story in order to resemble the devil. Now, he also allows himself to be called names that human beings give to their conceptions of devils, such as Mephisto, uh, a shortened version of Mistopheles, the name given to the devil of the false legends. 
Now, Mephisto has allowed people to believe him to be Satan. However, Mephisto is not the biblical Satan, nor is he the actual devil that is depicted in Judaism and Christianity. So, it's a little, little hot, little, little note, side note there. That may be on a test, guys. So, keep that in mind. Now, his illusions causing Black Panther to kiss Nakia caused Nakia's infatuation with T'Challa to grow to a very irrational level. A very fantastical level where she's in this space in which I don't want to say stalkerish but it really comes down to a single white female sort of situation in a romantic entanglement not in a uh, strictly platonic uh, space now she attempts to kill his former girlfriend the American Monica Lynn by ejecting her <laughs> which is ridiculous ejecting her from a plane during a, a war zone <laughs> Now, this isn't funny, class. Don't laugh. Now, Nakia lied to the panther and said that Monica was dead, but he immediately saw through that lie. Nakia was then dismissed from her duties and in disgrace, thus would forever be shamed and shunned by her tribe and all of Wakanda. Golly. Thin line between love and hate. What you won't do, do for love. You'll do anything, but you just... Yeah. Now, Monica Lynn... For those of you who don't know, she grew up in Georgia with her parents and her sister, Angela. One of her ancestors was lynched by the Klan. Um, then she moved to New York City where she met the Black Panther, T'Challa. He saved Lynn from a violent rapist plot uh, of the Sons of the Serpent, which was, I believe, some like Klan subsect. And the two began a long relationship. For a time, Monica Lynn lived in Wakanda with the prince at his royal palace, which again is like, oh God, he really... And I don't know if it's somewhere written in the written in the Wakandan bylaws, but this man has no issue finding women who are not Wakandans and just being all up in with them. Like he has no issue. Now, T'Challa visited and stayed with Monica at her parents' home in Georgia when they were investigating her sister Angela's death. Now, during the same visit, she met the journalist Kevin Trueblood, who will come into play later on. Now, at one point, Monica and T'Challa were engaged to be married, but he called it off uh, without explaining why, which is like, <clears throat> dick move, bro. Now, Monica was drawn back into T'Challa's life when his enemy, Archibald, kidnapped her to interrupt a state dinner in T'Challa's honor. Circumstances led to Monica accompanying T'Challa back to Wakanda, where she was unceremoniously ejected from a talent fighter by the jealous Dormelaje Nakia. Again, Nakia, you have to... I don't say you have to give it to her, but she has done with, I'm sure, some other Dormelaje would have wanted to do. <laughs> or at the very least, she has taken upon herself to use all the power and all the experience that she's had so far to go and quote unquote get her man and although the actions are extreme she's still kind of a product of her upbringing and her environment again if this was just some young girl in a village in Wakanda who was just in love with the Black Panther that would be one thing but you've equipped her with all these different abilities and skills and then you've also let this infatuation go unchecked and now that it's reached these new heights in which she's literally trying to kill people for you 
what do you expect? Now, I don't know if it's just me, if I'm biased because I see the humanity in the situation, although I do not excuse our actions. You guys let me know. You in class, let me know. Just write me a little note. You out there, the extended learning, the online distance learning, let me know as well. Leave a comment on SoundCloud or tweet me, Carefully Blurred, and let me know. How do you feel about Nakia? How do you feel about this character? How do you feel about the way she's been handled and the things that she's done leading up to ejecting Monica Lynn from a plane? Like, what do you think? Now, Monica was rescued in the jungle by none other than Eric Killmonger. Once again, becoming a pawn in Killmonger's rivalry with T'Challa for several months. Lord, now the altar of resurrection. In fleeing the plane during a rainstorm, she crashed, she being Nakia, crashed into an old monastery where she was captured by the Panthers' our enemy, Archby. Archby brutally tortured Nakia and left her to die. However, another one of the Panthers' enemies, Killmonger, happened upon her. Now, Killmonger used arcane methods and mystical altar of resurrection to restore Nakia's health and in the process granted her increased strength and flawless accuracy. So she's already had this Dormilaje training and she's already proven that she is headstrong and goes after what she wants. Now she's been enhanced mystically by Killmonger. This woman keeps leveling up and it's like no one is addressing the the trauma or the, the issues that she's having emotionally. Uh, Killmonger gave Nakia a new name, Malice, after a former protege of his. <sighs> Malice, now we'll refer to Nakia as Malice going forward. Uh, Malice develops an arsenal of weapons and access to the toxic herb Jephiro, excuse me, which makes men become as obsessed about her as she is about the Black Panther. Which again, can I? That is an interesting power to have, or an interesting part of this person's uh, storyline. Much like the way that Killmonger is depicted in Jessica Jones on the Netflix series, and the way he, the Purple Man, is depicted in Alias Investigations. This is a very interesting sort of uh, a power set. And to use it, especially on a character like a Dora Milaje member or ex-member versus just, you know, some girl who exhibits mutant abilities. There's a lot of interesting things that I'm sure can be done with that aspect of Malice slash Nakia. So I'd like to see if they could get a Nakia limited series or at least a storyline of her in another book. In this Dora Milaje book that I pitched earlier in the first session, Copyright Carefree Black Nerd, I would love to see a woman of color, a black woman, an African woman, write a Nakia story and do her justice. That would be amazing. Now, <clears throat> excuse me. Now, she has this herb and it makes men as obsessed about her as she is about the Black Panther. Now, to begin her revenge, Malice sent a cryptic message to the Wakandan consulate consisting of just two words, which were, she's dead. <laughs> the Black Panther, who once taught high school in Harlem, began an investigation of a missing girl who happened to be one of his former students. The Panther discovered this to be the handiwork of Malice, and he believed many of the women in his life, including Queen Ramonda, his stepmother, uh, Mikoni, his cousin, Okoyo, his chauffeur, Queen Divine Justice, the newest Dora Milaje member at the time, and Monica Lynn to be potential targets of Malice's wrath. Now, while the Panther tracked Malice, he hired the private investigator Dakota North. 
<laughs> what a name. To watch over Monica Lynn. Dakota believed, however, that the Black Panther had fallen under Malice's control. She decided to go after the Panther himself and ended up ruining his well-laid plan to capture Malice. God, for this man to have to be three and four steps ahead of everybody, he hasn't always been written well. <laughs> now, Malice thus captures the Panther instead and soon frees the malevolent man-ape who went on to ambush Queen Divine Justice and Romanda during their flight to the United States. Ultimately, however, the Black Panther revealed that he had all the angles covered all along. Okay. Um, <laughs> that he was stringing Malice along in order to save Malice's dying victims, which included Maria, the former student of his Harlem alter ego. Which is like, brother, you can't just randomly... I don't know, I'm sure, I just, hmm. for Black Panther and Batman to be compared to one another so much, because I've seen a lot of that online, a lot of stories that I've found them in, it doesn't, I mean, I'll just go with it because it is a work of fiction, and the writers are telling the story, and you just accept the world you're in, and go with it, but a lot of times I find him to be very clumsy, and not written in a way that someone who is three and four and five steps ahead of the opposition to be written. Like it just doesn't, it just doesn't ring to be true, but it, I don't know what I will say that it is okay because we do have a current run with ta Coates and Brian Stelfreeze, which is just simply amazing. And in it, a lot of these concerns have been addressed and I love the depiction of black Panther of T'Challa of Wakanda and everyone else uh, I just wish that when it came down to Nakia, aka Malice, aka N N Malice, <laughs> whatever, that we would get more, we would get better depictions. And that may all start with Black Panther, the film, and Lupita Nyongo's representation of this character. Now, again, I'm very interested to see if she'll end up being uh, like the Malice in the comics, Nakia in the comics, if she evolved into Malice. But I'm excited to go on this ride. Lupita is, of course, at least appears to be <laughs> playing an adult and not a 14-year-old girl. So that's amazing there because, you know, she perhaps that that alone will prove that she won't be this villainous character. But I think that when you create these characters as the Dormelage and like Madam Slay and uh, Calypso and all these characters who are Caribbean or are are black is a big part of their identity and then they're just brushed off to the side or they don't get fleshed out as much as they possibly could it's a huge disservice and not just to black people but women and then women of a particular background again be it caribbean be it african and it's just it's a headache because you can look on the shelves and see a captain marvel and she's great and all but She's leading a team and she's got all this shit going for her and she now has a movie coming down the pipeline. And yes, the Dormelage are in the Black Panther movie, but who's to say where we would be if we could get an actual ongoing series focused on the Dormelage? World of Wakanda was not enough, you know, by Roxanne Gay. That was not enough. That was a start and it's an amazing start. But again, when you have all these different titles and a lot of them are white, light white skin blonde hair blue eyes 
that's fine and it works for someone but when that's 90 to 98 percent of what's seen on shelves but then you have characters like nakia who could be fleshed out and you could do so much with on the wayside it's just it's frustrating it really is and um i'm excited for the film i'm excited for what lupita does but even more so with the film having such a large following already what are you going to do in the comics to keep that going you know we have the current black panther run which is amazing but again you have all these different characters and they're quick to um when you know that you have a property coming out be it on tv or be it in a film version to have a book associated with it and that's smart but again i'm just i'm just hoping that they do better with nakia and she gets um gets a chance after this movie is out and everything is said and done to reappear and to be handled and to look african because i've found tons of pictures of nakia where she looks like she's wearing a wig you know she has that bone straight black hair with the bangs and she looks like if you gave her white skin she would just look like any other white woman character like (laughs) this is an african woman she's a wakandan woman her features should look (laughs) that way but i don't know a guy could hope and a guy could dream and this will be a um a bit of a shorter course or session today i just would like for everyone out here under the sound of my voice everyone in class to again write me on soundcloud uh, hit me up on the comments and and let me know how you feel about nakia and how do you feel about the handling of nakia and other characters like her especially women characters like her like what again i take it all the way back to nubia and to shard and to calypso and to all of these women who have just been short-staffed and it's very easy to say well you know there's other comic book companies out there and that is the case but when comics are relatively an, ex- an expensive hobby or interest it's not always that easy to just say oh well, there's other companies out there especially if that's just you know where you are and even though there are other characters or other companies out there you should still that shouldn't change the expectation for the big two for marvel and for dc to still handle these characters with care now if there comes a point where you'll just have to you know move on and give your money elsewhere or what whatever but you can still want better for the characters who are already established and i don't think there's anything wrong with that so with that being said everyone i want you all to go out and watch the black panther film come back with your thoughts and ideas we'll have a discussion on that and um Until next time, stay carefree, stay nerdy, stay geeky, and come back to class ready to learn. (laughs) Thank you, guys. We have here a Marvel Universe that is unapologetically black. And to see us occupy an African country with kings and queens and warriors. And it's so inspiring. It's an aspirational nation that um, really just kind of is rejuvenating to the human spirit. And um, yeah, I mean, it was, it's just an incredible world to occupy. And I hope that people who see this can be equally inspired and, and just to see a world um, as that could exist, you know,